0: Hidden in Plain View As the dense forest thinned out, a wall of stone reared up out of the gloom. Alva and Fenrir reached a circular clearing, tucked beneath the huge crag on the mountainside. A snake of smoke hovered in the centre, creeping out of the embers of a dying fire. They were here! Alva felt her heart beat faster again, this time excite in excitement. Well done, Fen, she said, ruffling the wolf's head. You got us here and we are first on the scene. Ava looked across the clearing, adjusting her vision to the half light. Now she must swoop like an eagle, scanning the ground. Her sharp eyes must pick out clues if they were to solve the mystery announced by the stranger in the Jarl's hall tonight. While her uncle was still locked in conversation with Jarl Eric, carefully navigating traditions and expectations, she would be the first to test the truth of the monk's tale. The whole village would be amazed by her skills, and her uncle and mother would be drawn together in their celebration of her. No longer would Buriana accuse Magnus of filling her head with useless riddles. She could just imagine them all huddled round the table laughing and her uncle telling her how quick and clever she was. At the edges of the spluttering fire Ava could make out two flattened patches where the men had slept. She walked over slowly and crouched down. Charred bones lay strewn around the fire pit and a leather drinking pouch was discarded nearby. They had eaten and drunk and then slept. She pressed herself closer to the ground. Alpha had learned from Uncle Magnus that to be a true investigator meant that you had to examine lots and lots of seemingly boring detail. If she was to be the best investigator in Kilsgaard, she must look for clues, no matter how small or unimportant they might seem. She brushed the tangle of the matted red hair out of her eyes and focused. There in the bracken, a shard of white. Nothing extraordinary, a humble toothpick, but further evidence that the men had camped here. She carefully placed the slither of bone inside her pouch and turned towards the rear of the fire. Now, here was something interesting. Where one of the men had slept, Alva could see that the ground was disturbed. Perhaps this was where the monk's companion had slept. She drew closer and there within the clump of soil, something bright and liquid shimmered. Was that blood? From there, two parallel lines, thin ridges in the wet earth as if two hard objects had been dragged along the ground, ran off towards a clump of large shrubs nearby. She followed them and found another clue behind the bushes, outlined in the dark earth, hoof marks. The two drag lines stopped next to them. A body must have been dragged here and carried off on horseback. She would need Fan and his supernatural sense of smell to find the rider. Calling him to her side, Alva picked up a clump of earth, from where the horse prints were deepest she had trained Fenrir to follow scent since he was a cub so she held the soil to the wolf's nose and said Fen this is the new scent go and return the wolf was off in an instant as Alva turned to survey the silent space something else gleamed in the dim light she'd missed it at first but now she saw it trodden into the soil it gleamed white like the toothpick but bigger and brighter And unlike the toothpick, it had four edges, was about two fingers in length and one in width. It seemed to have been buried in the earth, crushed by the horse's hooves. Crawling on her hands and knees, she touched the surface. Smooth, creamy coloured, made of bone perhaps. Even in the darkness, she could see that shapes and symbols were carved all over its surface. Was this part of the casket? Running her hands gently round the edges, Alva prized it up from the ground. It was very thin, only the width of her smallest nail. Dusting the soil from the surface, her fingertips walked their way cautiously over the object. Runes. She could feel their outlines. The symbols had surrounded her her life. Her father had tied a piece of card runic bone around her neck the day she was born, and she wore it still. A single symbol. It meant Fehu, wealth of riches, because to her parents, Alva was the greatest treasure of all. While her mother had treated her like a precious gemstone to be kept safe within the family chest, her father had seen his daughter as a jewel to be worn proudly like a magnificent brooch. He wanted Alva to experience what he experienced and see the world like he saw it. There were too many runes runes carry, carved on this piece for her to make sense of them. Holding it up to her eyes she examined the object. It was a small carved panel of bone. On one side it was smooth but on the other a sequence of shapes and symbols were arranged in lines. It carried a message. This must be part of the casket the monk had been translating, what they had been following to find their treasures untold. A secret message leading to fortune. This was unbelievable, and Alva had been the one to find it. The English Earl must have dropped this part of the casket as he was dragged away in the night. She had found the most important clue. What to do next, though? The heavy weight of realisation sank to the bottom of her stomach. Uncle Magnus wouldn't be delightedly raising cups of meat at her discovery. He'd be furious when he realised she had overheard his interrogation and then raised ahead the to giant's finger. And her mother was terrified whenever Alva left the house. She already thought it was Magnus's influence that was driving the girl into dangerous situations. She would punish her and Magnus would be so angry. As if her thoughts were conjuring reality, Alva heard footsteps racing towards the clearing and her uncle's gravelly voice riding on the wind. Simultaneously, a sharp, piercing cry shattered the airy silence of the clearing, and a heavy weight descended on her shoulder. Alva bad! The shrill voice was inside her ear. Alva reeled backwards, but she knew who this was. Raff, her uncle's all-seeing pet raven. Magnus had been training him for years, and he had been ever-watchful presence in Alva's life, always following her, always seeing what the grown-ups couldn't, and that voice... Alva knew ravens were the cleverest of birds, sidekicks of gods, the god of wisdom, Odin. She also knew that some could learn to speak with a human voice. But Uncle Magnus had taught this blasted bird phrases designed to catch her out. Alva bad. No Alva. I see you. Alva gone. Who needed the Norns, the three goddesses who spun the strands of each person's life to twist your fate when you had a black sky rider to follow your every move? Why couldn't Uncle why couldn't Alva's uncle trust her like her father had? He would let her find her own adventures. But Magnus didn't like her being alone on her expeditions and had this beady-eyed spy follow her. I see you, Alva. Alva bad! Raff called out over and over as he whirled above the clearing. The footsteps picked up their pace and Alva heard her uncle shout out in a confused voice. Are you here, girl? There was no point hiding. The bird had found her. She walked over to the remains of the fire but not until she had carefully and guiltily tucked the ca- piece of carved bone into her pouch out of sight of Raff. I'm here, uncle, she said, in the meekest voice that she could muster. A group of men strode into the clearing. At the front was her uncle. Magnus was not the tallest or most impressive of Viking men, but he had presence. While others had arms the size of tree trunks or beards as thick as an oak in spring, Magnus was rather slight, and his beard was thin, wispy and long, yet perfectly kept. Woven into its gray-grain strands were gemstones and amulets Magnus had collected on his travels. Amber from Russia, Amps from Constantinople, jet from England. While other Viking men wore the finest furs and decorated themselves in silver, he went everywhere in his tra- travelling cloak, which despite its many journeys was clean as the day it was woven. He didn't have the eyes of a man set on heroism and battle, but clear blue pools that drew you in and made you think of the passing of ages. Alva thought that he was the most impressive man in Kilsgaard. She loved him very much, particularly now her father was not there for her. But at this moment, Uncle Magnus was not looking at her kindly. Alva's stomach knotted around itself as he stared straight at her with those knowing blue eyes. Ralph landed on his master's shoulder and clicked his beak angrily in her direction. Magnus took three large, deliberate steps towards his niece and grabbed her by the arm. Alva, he breathed in a low voice. What in the name of Odin are you doing here? This is the business of Jarl. It is not for little girls to meddle in such matters. His grip on her arm tightened. Behind her uncle she saw men in arms, the men of the Jarl. Their axes glinted in the half-light as they smiled in approval at Magnus' stern words to this reckless child. Her arm hurt as he squeezed it and she felt the pressure constricting her chest. He loved her, she knew that, but he could get very angry with her when she broke away in her adventures. "'I'm so sorry, Uncle,' Alva whispered. She caught his eye and mouthed at him. But I found clues, good clues.' Magnus stared at her for a long moment. Then he loosened his grasp. Turning so he was out of sight of the waiting cars. he gave her a slight smile. The conflicting sensations of fear and affection rushed through her. Was he proud?' Or was he livid with her? In an instant he had returned to the role of scolding father figure. It is only my niece, good man, he bellowed. She will be reprimanded at home for her foolishness of being out on a night of danger. She's been quite the reckless terraway since Bjorn went a Viking. Go and wait for me over there, girl, he said, gesturing to the rocky wall at the back of the clearing. Right now, I must turn my attention to this place. Once again, Magnus' focus shifted. Alva had vanished from his mind, and in her place were sets of clues, winding around one another and forming a story. Ralph flew up into a tree and settled to preening himself. Alva was no longer their concern. The armed men relaxed, leant against the trees, and pulled drinking pouches from their belts. But while they eased themselves, her uncle uncle narrowed his piercing eyes and began his own descent upon the rich treasure hoard of clues. If the monk's story is true, Magnus muttered, it will be written on the earth." Alva was always impressed by her uncle when he conducted his investigations. His calm, steady gaze never wavered. Even as he touched his finger to the red liquid where Alva guessed the second man had slept and as he followed the trail to the horse's prints, he showed no sign that anything was untoward. He was measuring everything, storing it in his mind toward, collecting information like a magpie. Throughout this process he did not raise his eyes from the ground and he ignored Alva completely. As she watched, he drew something from the worn leather bag slung around his waist. This bag had been across the seas to the edges of the world and back again. In it, Magnus stored many special devices he had acquired on his travels. He had navigation tools for men in the deserts, rune stones from the Spanish theater, or the Swedish Seers, and writing implements from his time spent with monks. Now he was taking out a strange glass that made the things he saw th- through it twice their size. It fascinated Alva but she was never allowed to touch it and as Magnus said it was the most precious and had come across the sea and land to guard safely. One moment in Alva's adventurous hands and he worried his delicate transparent disc might meet its end. When in the past she had questioned about it Magnus had just said there is wisdom in other parts of the world that we know nothing of. He was always so elliptical, not like her father who spoke to her as an adult from as early as Alva could remember. She held back in the shadows near the rock face, nervously touching the piece of bone she had concealed in her own leather pouch. She desperately wanted to tell Magnus she had found it. She wanted to pore over its symbols with him late into the night, but she wouldn't interrupt him now. Not when he looked like he looked at her with an expression like Thor's hammer had smashed him sideways. And beside, the cards were still here. Alva would have to wait. A noise reached her through the breeze. It was extremely quiet, but she recognised it at once, Fenrir, Rear. His howl came from the other side of the mountain ridge, down by the water. Had he found something? Her uncle, usually so quick with it, was still focused on the ground, and the babble of the noisy cars had drowned out the wolf's howl. But she knew it was Fen calling her. Her uncle and Ralph couldn't care less about her right now. She could creep away as long as she was silent. Slowly rounding the back of the rock, Alva felt her way along its jagged, jagged edges this really was unforgivable. To disobey her uncle twice in one evening? But Fenrir had followed the scent. Perhaps he was in danger right now, confronting the dark attacker alone. She must get to him. Once she had moved behind the rock, Alva saw that the horse's hooves had left a clear track where they had churned up the earth. The prints were deep, which meant that the horse had a heavy load. Fenrir's call cut through the air a second time and Alva quickened her step towards it. Soon she was running down the side of Giant's finger, trying not to tumble on the steep incline. Through the blanket of trees she could just make out the banks of the river below, sparkling in the moonlight. A few more paces in her shoes crunched the familiar sand of the bay beneath her soles. Alva had min- visited the shore many times in her life. The river was shallow here and carved on the rocky bed were ancient pictures, images of ships of her ancestors of runes. Who knew how old they were? Surely they were put there when the giants still lived in Kilsgaard. Her father had brought her here before he left to go a Viking the last time and together they had woven stories around these pictures. He had told her that he had to go away but she should always come back here if she wanted to be close to him. It was a special place for her. Fenrir ran to meet her but he was not alone. No horse, no rider, no lost English warrior, She could see that the horse's hooves went as far as the water's edge then disappeared. Clever, Alva thought. The rider knows Killsgard well. He could make his horse's scent disappear in the water and simply ride upstream, downstream or to the other bank. We will never find him now. She sat down to catch her breath, rubbing the gritty sand between her fingers. Her father's strong, rugged face hovered in her mind as she recalled their last visit to this cove together. A pain crept across her chest. It was familiar. It was sorrow. She missed him. It had been nine months now and he had left in such a hurry. Their last words to each other had been harsh. Alva had been angry with him for leaving her stuck here between her smothering mother and domineering uncle. She needed him, but instead of sending him away with words of love, she had spoken unkindly. Now winter had come and the men should have been back from their journeys. None of the 30 men who had left with her father for the city of Constantinople had come back. Alva knew he may never return. Cold, full drops of rain landed on her head and ran down her face, mixing with the warm tears streaming through her eyes. Rain. That was not good. Rain would wash away the tracks, it would hide the clues, it would disturb the men and her uncle, and she would be missed. Grabbing Fenrir, Alva began the sharp ascent back towards the clearing. The men's voices became louder with every step. We have to go, Magnus, she heard one of the carols calling. It's raining and I've got no dry clothes left at the hall. If this yorking gets soaked, I'll be chilled for the day and the yard will still want us to return with news. We've already been too long laboring over this dirt. One more sample, her uncle replied, his face still pressed close to the ground. Alva rounded the top of the hill in time to see her uncle stand up and placed the vials in his bag. He looked at her and saw Fenrir cowering behind. So the wolf is here too, is he? Alva, you and your pet should return home. I must take news of my investigations to Yard Eric. We shall descend to the village together and I will deal with you when I get back. Traipsing along in silence, Alva felt her hair getting heavy with rainwater and the soles of her shoes slipped over the rocks as the giant's finger towered behind them. The proud, pointed peak of the mountain jutted like a dagger, skywards towards Valhalla, home of the gods, as if announcing, this is the land of Vikings. Alva wanted to get her uncle alone, so she could show him the piece of casket, but he strode ahead with the curls. Partly she felt she had done well to discover it, but deep down Alva knew she should have left the evidence for Magnus to find and inspect. She would be in such trouble for interfering and as a result her mother would no doubt wrap her in swaddling to prevent her leaving the house again. As the ground levelled out, the turf roofs of Kilsgaard appeared in the distance. It was still dark, but a few lights were appearing through the town as early risers went to feed animals and begin chores. The group passed through a gateway and saw Megan's sarle, flickering with light from inside. Magnus made towards it and the cars but stopped, turning to Alva. In the half-light his eyes looked like glinting jet beads. You've done a bad thing tonight, girl, to go alone on your investigations. I understand what compels you, but your mother will have to hear of this. You know this will make things even more difficult between us all. First you will be punished as she see fits. Then we can talk about whatever it is you keep touching in your pouch. He took the slightest glance at her waist, where she had her hand wrapped around the bone fragment. He really didn't see everything. He really did see everything. Alva wound back along the track to her hut, thinking about what she would say when her mother awoke. But on opening the door, she realised she wouldn't have to wait till morning. Alva, her mother's pale white skin, was etched with lines of worry as she jiggled a red-faced Ivan up and down in the darkness. Brianna reared up, mighty, in a flame of red hair and flashing green eyes. With a note of sadness beneath her fury she whispered through gritted teeth Daughter I love you but your adventurous spirit will be your undoing and the undoing of all that love you.